So I had the great pleasure over the past week of spending some time this year in Atlanta, Georgia for the Samuel DeWitt Proctor Conference, which is such an, a privilege to attend, and I attended on behalf of Planned Parenthood with many other people who joined us. And it was such a treat to be able to be amongst all of these black preachers uh, who haven't been able to be together in person for many, many years. And, well, you know, for the years of the pandemic. And what was so really special about that time is that just before we shut down here in New York City, maybe a week before we were together for Proctor in February, the very end of February 2020. And when I was there, they honored me with an award, the Ella Jo Baker Award. And as we came back together this year, the recipients of this award, this is crazy, were Stacey Abrams, Raphael Warnock, and a young man who you may not have heard of, but a dear and beloved colleague of mine, Heber Brown III, the Reverend Doctor. And one of the things that Heber talked about in his acceptance speech of the Ella Jo Baker Award was where I want to start this reflection on our scriptures today. Heber talked about his call in ministry, which at first just started off in the streets of Baltimore, where as he would walk outside the door from his church, Pleasant Hope Baptist Church, he would look around the neighborhood and wonder, where, where can I get some fresh produce? There was plenty of fried chicken. There were, you know, French fries to eat. There was all sorts of food that was full of grease and not health available to him and to his community. And he wondered, well, if we wanted to eat vegetables, where would we get them? We have to go to somebody else's neighborhood. So then Heber, Reverend Heber, started to work on sourcing the food for his community because they had a, a meal program, for, especially for children to eat in the after school hours. And he said, well, why don't I start to look up farmers in the area who I can get the, the food from and start to develop direct relationships. If they won't build a grocery store in our neighborhood, at least we can create something like that in our church. And then as he started to work on this, he said that he remembered something about his childhood, that his father and his mother would take him on weekends down to the country in Virginia and they would drive up a dirt road to his grandparents' farm, where his grandparents farmed corn and other important produce. And he said, well, you know what? There are black farmers around who we can work with. And what if we created a program within our city, right here in the inner city of Baltimore, where our folks could source our food from black farms? And as he started to do this, and as they then started to make use of the property at the church to grow things right there in the city that the children were in charge of, he said, this is a movement that we could take across the country. And so they started to build that church by church, creating spaces of, of, of growth in a city, creating opportunities for children and others to learn how to create things for themselves and tend to their gardens. And he said, this is the purpose 
of church. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to feed people. We're supposed to tend our gardens. Turn with me to the text here from Genesis. As uh, poor Sharon had to tell you, it's kind of cut up. As you notice, it's like Genesis 2, verses 1 through 7, and then we skip, and then we skip and skip and skip. Why do we do that? Because in the book of Genesis, there are many sources that give us the text that we have. And the one that pulls that together as it goes back and forth between the two creation stories, you know, there's one creation story that starts in Genesis 1, and then there's another one that starts in Genesis 2. You might want to take a look at it. But I always now like to start Lent off by examining the creation story, especially in Genesis 2, because Lent is a season of intentional journey with God, right? I mean, we're always supposed to be on a journey with God, but in Lent, we, we'd set an intention for that time. And just as I preached last year, but with a different focus this year, I want you to have a sense of your telos, your destination, telos, T-E-L-O-S, your destination in Lent. Where would you like to go? We set, we invite each other into the disciplines of Lent. If you joined us for Ash Wednesday, you may recall. And the disciplines of Lent, do you remember what they are? Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And you can pray all you want. You can give up as much chocolate as you want. But if you don't set an intention for where that's going to head for you, it doesn't really have all that much purpose, right? So we all wonder, what could it be that would allow me to live more closely with God, to walk more closely with God? And what I would love for us to do as we think about this text is to notice our telos. And then the Lord, the sovereign God, took the human and placed him in the garden to tend it. The Lord, the sovereign God, took the human, placed the human in the garden to tend it. That, I would suggest, is your telos. That is your death destination to tend your garden. Now, what do I mean by that? I would be the last person to say that that means that you have to then start planting actual plants. Now, if you could maybe give it a shot, all of us should try. When I was pledging my sorority, they gave me an ivy to take care of, you know, for the time, and, and I couldn't even keep this ivy alive. Um, so I'm not great at this, but I think that maybe there's something to at least the metaphorical garden. The garden is your destination always in life. The garden is another way of looking at heaven even. But until, but since we have the kingdom of heaven right here before us, that means that we are supposed to live as if we are in the garden. Now what happens in the garden? You walk with the Lord your God in the cool of the night without shame. You get to hear from God directly. You get to follow what God has asked of you and to do that with intention. And as we look at the sin of Adam and Eve, we see that the thing that they did that hurt the most was that they disobeyed the commands of God. 
They didn't do what God had asked. I actually am starting to read this text not to think so much that the problem was that they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good, of evil, good and evil. I don't think God would care so much about that, but that in doing so, they were doing what God had told them not to. What did God tell them to do? All right, there were four kinds of trees. I don't know if you noticed. One was trees for the um, pleasure of the eyes. Another were trees for food to eat. Then there was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God had provided them now, are you starting to see, with everything that they needed in that garden. They had the trees for the pleasure of seeing, for delight. This was a garden. Eden means a place of of pleasure and delight. They had what they needed that way. They also had the trees to eat from. They had that tree they weren't supposed to pull from. And then they had the tree of life. The problem here was that the humans went and took from something that God did not intend for them. I'm going to say that again. The problem here was that the humans went and took from a place that God did not intend for them. They, instead of tending the garden that they were asked for, asked to tend, they went and did something different. And are you seeing where I'm heading with this? Because I think a lot of times when we get into the most trouble is when we're tending or trying to tend to somebody else's garden. God has given us what we need. God has given us everything that is required for our lives. And yet, we tend to look to the wrong tree, looking over in another part of the garden that was not meant for us. Think about this. How many people do you know who seem to have everything, but are never satisfied? How many times do the people you know have just so many blessings in front of them but can't feel it because they want something they can't have. This tends to be our problem, is when we want more than God has intended for us, when actually, if we could take stock of what's in front of us and what God has given to us, we would see that we have all kinds of reasons to be thankful. I'm not saying don't be ambitious or to set some goals or intentions. In fact, I've already said we should set goals and intentions. But the first goal and intention must be your telos to tend your garden. When you look into your garden and you see all that God has given you to do and to care for and to allow to grow the love in your life. All of us have people to love in our lives. We may not be married, we may not be connected in that kind of partnership, but we have people to love. They are our garden. Maybe you don't have the home you would like to have. Maybe you don't have the resources within that home. And yes, of course, strive for all of that. But when we do it in such a way that we can't be thankful for our garden that God is already tending for asking for us to tend, then we are pulling from a fruit that was not meant for us. Tend your garden. And here's the beauty of it. When we focus on these blessings that God has put right before us, when we give thanks and take care of what is in front of us, 
when we start to create for those around us, then we stop recommitting the original sin. We, you know, it, it's not lost on me the irony that we talk about, that the, the, the garden is talking about trees. And as we look at what we are doing to the trees of the earth, the garden, the overall garden of the planet that we have, and how we are just pillaging all of it. I see that we are committing an unoriginal sin in deforestation, in giving our children such a mess, the generations to come after us with a planet that isn't sustainable, right? That unoriginal sin just repeats what Adam and Eve did. But as we look to tend our own gardens, we also need to tend to the greater planet. And here's what I would like to, as I close, encourage all of us to think of. With that sense of deep and abiding gratitude, we don't feel like we have to have more than we're meant to have. And instead, we share everything. You become more generous when you feel grateful for what you have, right? As I've read from the environmentalists, we have everything we need to do right now to reverse the trends of global warming, to replant trees, to create more forests, to farm in such a way that we can live sustainably. The whole country, all the billions of people, I'm sorry, the whole world, cannot live with the Western lifestyle and the planet to survive. And yet that's the aspiration, moving beyond the garden. But if we could adapt in the West, in the places where we actually have the resources, in such a way that we don't pillage, but that we regenerate, all of that is possible. We just have to start, and we have to set that intention. Our children require it, right? And so what I would love for all of us to do as we're thinking about our own gardens to tend and the garden of the earth is to think huge. Think really, really big about what you can contribute personally to the regeneration of this planet. We can all do that as individuals. We can do it as a church. We have to do it as a wider church, and that'll be something I'm going to look forward to working with in this work with the United Nations. Because this is required of us to look on that long road to get to the garden God intends for us all to be able to delight in. And as we do, as we walk with God in the cool of the day, who walks with us and talks with us and tells us she's our own, as we tarry there, we, the joy we share is incredible, right? So tarry in your garden, tend to it and give thanks for it, and watch what God will do. Amen? Amen.